last time on D&D. We don't want to hurt you, but don't make us. Have we lost the art of delicacy? Amali, let's talk man-to-man. We've been trying to learn the powers of the Mornland for Karnath, for the glorious nation of Karnath. I got you one more time, Garum. Your captors are dead. You don't have to just give up. Now, where does this ladder lead? We've been trying to find Curla's hideout. And what's so important there? An undead army that could walk and shamble for days. And Graf plunges his short sword into his ribs. You can see hanging from the rope the body of Ebenezer. Orange Eyes presents a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition campaign. DM'd by Alex LaFerrier. Starring Andrew Gallagher playing Erd. Ian Selig playing Garum. And John Selig playing Graf. Eberron Chronicles Oracle of War, Season 1. going to start off by rolling some perception rolls. Well, this can't be good. 13 for Erd. That's an 8. 3 for Graf. Oh. Graf and Garum seem to be squinting their eyes from the bright salvation sun. Luckily for Erd, though, he sees off in the distance figures in the scrap pile. You see Erd's eyes kind of perk up. As he gets a little bit low, <clears throat> looking in the direction of the figures, he looks back over to Garam and Graf, kind of motioning for them to also get low and pointing out into the distance towards the figures. Guys, guys, I think I see something over there. Look. Now that Erd has pointed out a figure in the scrap heap, you see a familiar looking gnome with a short bow aimed and trained right at the rabble. How familiar. The character that you named Fred from Zodor's shack. Looking over to Fred. So, Fred, you're ready to dance, huh? And he looks down his arrow, not expecting to have been noticed. And he lets his arrow fly at Erd. <sighs> the arrow flies across the junkyard pile and lands in Erd's shoulder, and he takes five points of damage. Now, hold on just a second here. Why are you here? He's already reaching for another arrow in the scrap pile. Fred, don't you remember what happened last time? We can all be friends here. Don't be a fool. Erd's going to run. Now that he's been struck, he's like, oh, you piece of crap. And he's going to run down and kind of dive under uh, in front of one of the scrap piles to get some cover after being damaged. Classic Erd. And he's going to start knifing his way around the, the side of the scrap pile to try to see if he can get like a, an angle on him. Also looking around at the same time to, you know, to see if there's anybody else around. Can I make another perception check? Absolutely. Using my skills, which I'm not very skilled at this. Another 13. Luckily, Erd notices in the other scrap pile another hidden figure who fires an arrow and it lands in the dust right next to Erd, kicking dust right in his face. These two figures seem to have the scrap piles on either side of you posted and they're ready and waiting for you. The other one's carrying a longbow and making for another arrow. We'll roll initiative. I think I got a 20 for initiative. Erd rolls a five for initiative. I also rolled a five. How do ties work? Who's got the higher decks? I have 16. A 13. 
So Erd, after seeing these two arrows, is a bit slower than normal to react. Well, boys, we're in for it this time. Is Erd able to make out who that other figure is? It seems to be a new face, no one you recognize. So to recap, some arrows erupt from the scrap piles. Erd is the one that has been able to perceive all of this happening as he draws your attention towards Fred in one of the piles. Erd drops to the ground just as another arrow sticks into the ground next to him, kicking up dirt into his face. With that, Graf kind of gets his bearings and identifies both these two targets in the scrap pile. He's obviously very hurt from his time underground, unsure about the intent other than the hostility of these two figures. Garam and Graf have both yelled out they're receptive, but they clearly aren't reacting as you would like them to. What does Graf do now? When you say they're receptive, do you mean they're hearing us, but they're ignoring what we're saying, basically? Yeah, they hear you, but they're ignoring what you're saying. Okay, so there's no reasoning with them. This is a this is a real fight. Well, you could certainly try to, but they've already unleashed two arrows at your compatriot. Okay. All right, so I'm going to move up five feet. Watch out, Erd. I'm hurting, and I bet these guys aren't alone. And I'll shout to Fred. Be like, Fred, what are you all planning? We may be on the same side. Have an answer, and I... Let's just say we didn't get along. So I'll say all that and wait a a beat to see if he is willing to talk. But if not, I've got an attack ready to go. Roll a charisma persuasion. Ooh, nice. Uh, 19. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to do? Fine, fine, fine. (laughs) Yeah. He hasn't had a chance to react yet. So I've got Eldritch Blast ready to go. I've got a hand raised with crackling energy flowing around my hand and I'm trying to get through to Fred like Fred we might be on the same side so let's not do anything we can't take back and I'll ready it and if either Fred or the green guy attacks I'll loose the Elder's Blast on whoever does attack sure you can see the human in the southern scrap pile launches an arrow at Erd once again who has cover and it penetrates the pile of scrap metal you can see the nasty looking arrow sticking out of the protective pile of scrap in front of you Erd Fred doesn't release an arrow and he kind of pipes up what's it worth to ya and the human in the southern scrap pile chimes back we got a job and they start bickering back and forth seems like you've managed to convince Fred a little bit he's willing to listen but his assassin companion to the south isn't having any of it and is trying to complete the job. Great. Well, then I will let that trigger my Eldritch Blast, and I'll launch it at the Assassin to the south. And so once again, purple crackles of lightning and orange sort of glow comes from my hand, and I just launch a ball of energy right at this green guy with a whopping 14 to hit. Yet your energy is effective enough and causes him damage. Awesome. And that's going to be... Ooh, six damage. The guy fries up a bit. He's still managing to hold his feet, hold his ground on top of the scrap pile. He's knocking another arrow. Careful. Garm. Take him out, Garm. So is Erd on the ground right now, getting cover? He's kind of ducked down. He's not like laying flat, but he's crouched down underneath that uh, the pile in front of him because the initial arrow came from, uh, what's his name, Fred over there? Right, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he's kind of like crouched down at the moment, but not prone, like off, flying flat. So I'll get right behind Erd. 
By the way, Erd has five HP right now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not crouching behind you. Uh, so Garam moves in, standing above Erd behind him, so that he can get a clear line on the assassin to the south. I have two as well. So are we sure we don't have any way to heal? Because we're we're hurting. I'll keep trying to charm Fred, but Greeny, I don't think is too happy with us. As Garam moves behind Erd and gets gets an arrow ready. You can see that I start to change just a little bit. I get a little bit more of a hunched back. You can see my fangs grow a little bit as I start to shift, which conveniently gives me a, a little bit of a bonus to HP. It lasts for one minute, 60 seconds. I love it when you let the beast out. And so getting behind Erd, I take aim and I Make an attack roll with advantage, thanks to our early adopters. Ooh, I don't know. So I rolled a three and an eight. That's going to be a 13. Luckily enough, you guys are in a junk pile standoff as arrows fly left and right, and your arrow manages to penetrate in between two pieces of metal, striking the assassin to the south. Roll for damage. Awesome. So I'm able to find a sweet spot that arrow flies through and it deals nine points of damage. It's as if you have this bestial focus that just hones your sight in looking for such a critical spot and it flies through a pipe and a tube and a metal opening jamming him right in the throat and this assassin slowly slumps to the ground and with the last little bit of breath he has don't give up she'll kill you Oh, interesting. And he slumps over a pile of metal. Dead. Erd. So Erd's in a bit of a dilemma right now within his mind. He gets hit by this arrow and he wants nothing more but to take out Fred and completely waste him. But after seeing what Graf has done, trying to be a little bit more uh, delicate with the situation, he thinks otherwise. So Erd is unsure what to do at this moment. I'm going to stay undercover. I'm going to delay my action. Um, my other, my, my only other thought was try to maybe intimidate him a little bit more, but Erd doesn't want to mess up with Graf, so he's just going to kind of grit his teeth down a little bit more after getting hit by this arrow and hunker down. I'll set a trigger. If he shoots another arrow, Erd's going to release another arrow. Graf, you saying his name under his breath. Graf, you see Erd restrain his rage and hatred for this assailant. It's your move. All right, take a time out, buddy. So, Fred, sounds like we've got some things to catch up on. Who's going to kill you if we uh, give up? I think we might be working for the same team. Should we uh, step into the bar and get a drink and talk talk about this man-to-man? Will you do anything else this round? You could set a condition as well, too. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. I'm like, there might be a little bit of gold in it for you, too, because we need information as well. Um, and, yeah, I'm going to stay where I am. If he gives a melee attack, I'm going to use Green Flame Blade. If he does an, an arrow, I'm going to do an Eldritch Blast. But I really would like to avoid it because we don't know what's going on at all right now. And this she they mentioned is either one of two or three people, and I'm quite curious who it is. So... I want to I wanna find out. So you guys are bunkering down in a scrap pile and a heap of metal. Fred is in his own little hideout, and he kind of pipes up. Ah, 
You understand when you got a job, you got to do a job, right? And he fires two arrows down at you guys. Mm, Fred. One at Erd and one at Graf. Fred, my boy. What's Graf's armor class? It is 17. You're lucky. The cover of the scrap pile gains you just enough protection that the arrow deflects off. Erd, same for you. You guys are in a shootout as these arrows are just flying, penetrating the areas around you. And upon seeing the arrows just barely miss us, Erd kind of flashes his eyes back to Graf and just goes, <sighs> and releases his arrow towards Fred. Fred, now you've made my friend angry. We could have been drinking by now. Erd channeling his frustration with Graf for not letting him attack right away and trying to always, you know, be congenial with these bastards, releases his arrow and just flies over to Fred with a 19. You hit Fred. Erd's arrow goes and flies right into Fred's shoulder, the same place where Erd hits, Erd got hit himself for six damage. Uh, He's still far away, so I'm going to launch an Eldritch Blast. 18. He's like frustrated, right? He's, he typically has had good experiences charming his way out of encounters like this, both with uh, standard townspeople, but also the sort of dregs of society. He kind of feels like this is his element. So he's a little bit miffed that his discussion with Fred wasn't more fruitful. So he just sort of calls down a bit more of that crackling purple and orange energy and launches an even more focused, almost like a fireball, just straight out with his arm and just singes a little bit of the scrap and hits Fred right in the heart. Four, seven. Pieces of the scrap pile start melting from your magic. He's leaning over, he's holding on to his wounds, he's very shooken up. Fred is hanging on to dear life as he bleeds profusely from magic and arrows coming out from the rabble's hidey hole. He looks like he's about to run. Last chance, Fred. In the name of our former friendship, are you sure you don't want to speak? She'll kill us all! Who will kill us all? I can't! Ah. Fred! And he reaches up and a crackle of lightning comes down to his fist launches it onto the ground. Fred. Garam, it's your move. At this point, Garam's also a little bit peeved that Fred is refusing to talk. So really just giving in to his animal instincts, Garam's going to run right up to Fred and tackle him in a grapple. Oh, now you've done it. Okay, roll your strength athletics. Badass. And I'm going to roll with advantage, thanks to Mr. Paul Blank. Garam's in beast mode. That's going to be a 14. So Garam digs his teeth into the ground and starts clawing up the piles of scrap metal, doing his best to jump off from one piece of metal to the next, one platform to the other. And he sees this little defenseless gnome bleeding profusely, and he lunges at him. But the gnome just manages to duck a little bit, and you get caught up with some springs and cogs. You haven't successfully grappled, Fred. This is your last chance to talk. Definitely spooked him. He's, he's very nervous. He's very scared. He's freaking out. His, his face has turned white. You don't want to play chase with me. I say on all fours as I'm foaming at the mouth. Those are wise words, but he's too filled with fear and frustration to stand his ground, and he starts hoofing it towards the entrance. He will open himself up to an opportunity attack should Garam wish to lash out or pin him or trip him or knock him unconscious. So could I make a uh, either a stealth or an acrobatics to try and trip him? You can say uh, dexterity acrobatics to try to trip him up. So right as he turns to leave, I try my best to 
trip him up, make him fall to the ground. That's going to be a 15 on the acrobatics check. So Garam recovers from this tussle in the scrap pile and manages to get a leg out, tripping up the little gnome, and he tumbles down the scrap heap into the dirt, takes a face full of sand. Please! And he's on his bottom side, and he's like trying to crawl his way out, but he's looking up at this horrid beast that stands on top of the scrap pile, scowling at him. Proud of you. It's at this point... Oh, shit. ...where a loud explosion bangs throughout the scrapyard. What's going on here? And over by the scrapyard bell where Evan Anzer's body hangs is a large menacing figure in a leather duster. A warforge stands there with a large wide brim hat and a staff that is emanating smoke in the sky. The picture strikes Graf as familiar, perhaps as the illustration he saw in the newspaper. This is Sheriff, the warforge of the town. And Fred looks up, wipes the sand off his face. Sheriff, Sheriff, we've had a we've had an issue here. These guys killed him an answer. And he starts crawling backwards, and the sheriff walks up slowly, crunching the sand beneath her feet very slowly, very cautiously, lowering the smoldering staff and training it on everyone in the scrap heap. So Fred's not like running away. He's still part of this too. Fred's on the ground. He's slowly crawling around. The sheriff seems to have the entrance exit under wraps. Her presence is very large. She's at least six feet tall, long brown leather duster, and her face just bears no expression whatsoever. Her eyes glow dimly, and she looks over the horizon. Go ahead, speak up. Who's responsible here? Hello, it's so lovely to meet you. I've heard so much about you. Um, thank you for showing up in our hour of need. As you can see, I and my compatriots are a bit bloodied from this uh, ambush where f- whatever this gnome's name is, I don't know, is on the ground over there. But if you look, you can see many of his arrows thrown about the scrapyard because they ambushed us. And there was another one too, an, ass- an assassin in that other scrap heap. And we were just coming back from investigating something for Ebenezer in the in the in the gray and we came back and then we're ambushed. So he's like a little bit playing like wounded but also like that is what happened. You know, he's trying to like explain it truthfully as well. Fred's scrambling on the ground. <laughs> They're completely filled with lies. I I came here in search of Ebenezer's job. He needed some help. And I saw these guys and they strung them up high. They strung them up high. So after hearing that, Garam reaches into his pocket and pulls out the note and shows it, holds it in front of him to show it to Sheriff. It says, actually, we took the job and we were here to help Ebenezer. When we came back from that job, we were ambushed and we saw him strung up by the bell. Look at that filthy shifter. He just stole that right off of me. He was wrestling me up there for all my goods. He just ripped that out of my satchel. Gnome, if we were trying to attack you, you wouldn't be speaking right now. And also, it's well known you work for Zordon or whatever his name is. What's his name? Zodor. Zodor. Zodor? I work for whoever pays top dollar around here in Salvation. So Erd, hearing this bullshit spewing from him, just kind of looks over and glances at him and like gives him a steely-eyed stare and just kind of grits his teeth. 
and tries to intimidate him. 18. Fred's scrambling about. Uh, uh, see, they're, they're trying to throw their weight around. Look at this guy. Look at this half orc. Put him, put him to bed, Sheriff. Put him to bed. Erd, still having the arrow that he shot at him, pulls it out and shows it up to the sheriff. This look familiar to you? He shot this at us. These are the guys who did it. And Fred speaks up. Look at what's left of my beard. That little horny bastard over there tried to singe me with the fire of Kyber. He's a scum demon. I, I swear. He's probably worshiping the dark six. And Slowly, Sheriff lowers and trains the staff on everyone. Quiet down. Quiet down. There's a lot of things going on in this scrap heap. I don't like the smell of any of them. So here's what we're going to do. Graph, roll a charisma persuasion roll. With advantage, thanks to Garum. But with disadvantage, thanks to Erd. <laughs> so just a normal roll. <laughs> so wait, so Erd hurt our cause by intimidating Fred in front of the sheriff. But Garum was earnest and showed the note, which was smart. And so it's up to me to bullshit our way through this. Okay, great. <laughs> yes! 19. I'm going to listen a little bit more of these three here. Go ahead. Tell me your plight. Tell me more about this investigation. Thank you, yes. So we were at the Grey Beyond. We're new to the area. We're, we're looking to reconnect with some old friends who haven't arrived yet. And we went to the job board. And we did a couple of the jobs, and this was the last one. It said, come out to the bell... I need to talk to someone who can help me. So we, we came out, we rang the bell, we met with Ebenezer. He told us that yeah, somebody had been messing with his... He has he had Big Mo, right? Yeah, Big Mo. So Ebenezer told us that on behalf of his owner, the owner of Big Mo, that old Warforged Titan? Colossus. That old Warforged Colossus out there. Um, he Scavengers had been coming by and, 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 and taking things from from his area and Big Mo itself picking pieces off of the Warforge. And so he asked us to go investigate and find how they were getting in and stop them. Sheriff slowly raises her hand, stop right there. He has no right or ownership over this property. These are the lands of Arulian. This is her scrap yard. That might be the boss he was telling us that he, that, that he was asking us on behalf of her. He wouldn't tell us who the boss was. You're trespassing on private property. That's interesting. I don't, I don't believe... I think we may have had a small miscommunication. So we were here on behalf of Evananzer, who asked us to be here on behalf of Arulian. So you see, we were we were doing Arulian's bidding, so to speak. And Sheriff turns towards Evananzer's corpse as if asking the downed body, is that true? And then turning back to you three. We're happy to leave. See? See? They're, they're, spinning, they're spinning lies. They're spinning webs. Why would Arulian have people investigate her own salvage yard? She's fully capable, fully capable of doing this work herself. Because people like you were scavenging here. No, I wasn't scavenging at all. We, we discovered it was agents of the Emerald Claw, Sheriff, who were here wrongfully. And so we took care of them, sent them packing, if you will, and we came back to report to Evan Anzer that we did and found this. It's hard to tell, but there's just a quiet stare from Sheriff at the mention of the Emerald Claw. The Sheriff is a little perturbed. Slowly holsters the long staff. It might be best if we leave these grounds immediately. 
And if it wasn't bad enough, a slender female dwarf with a notepad and a pen starts hobbling in from outside the scrapyard walls. Excuse me, excuse me. And she starts writing up what she sees in front of her. She has a dark black braided hair and a small ruddy face for a dwarf. She's got a vest that looks to be that of like a news reporter and it's just wrought with pencils and pads of paper. And she's doing her best to sketch the area of what she sees. Hmm, the body of Evan Anzer found hanging three culprits. Excuse me. And the sheriff slowly turns and turns back to you. Before I acknowledge the dwarf, I'm just like, great idea, sheriff. We're going to get out of your hair. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. He gives a little salute and makes to leave. Your efforts are well intended. There's a congestion of sorts as the sheriff and this ruddy dwarf, Gerthen of the Salvation Times. Lo and behold, she finds herself at an interesting site. Gerthen. Sheriff, Sheriff, do you have any words? Gerthen, I never have any words for you. All right, all right, and you three. And Fred elbows his way in. I'll tell you everything, Gerthen. These three find their way here in South- I use my thaumaturgy spell, which uh, if you're not familiar, it's it's sort of, um, let me read it to you so, you so we know what it does. It, um, you manifest a mind or wonder, a sign of a supernatural power. You create one of the following effects within range. Your voice booms up to three times louder and deeper than normal for up to one minute. Fred, I'll not tell you again. Gerthen kind of shaken up a little bit, and Fred is a little caught off guard as well. But being the sleuth that she is, she inserts herself. Fred, are you talking about Condor down here? Get your facts straight, man. Facts aren't what's in charge out here, milady. So Gerthen, is that your name? Gerthen, great to meet you. Charmed. I'm Graf. De Graffenried Venner, pleased to make your acquaintance. I am here uh, with Fred because Fred has been attacking me. And his name is Fred because when I first met him, he was hounding a bunch of working women at the bar and intimidating them and threatening them. And we came up and stopped him. And I didn't get his name. So since then, he's been Fred. And I think Fred is an adequate name for a man like this. And he kind of just gives like a bad look to Fred. Can we please move this along? We have a victim here, and the sight would be best left unseen. Sheriff, Sheriff, I understand. I need to get a statement. And Condor's willing to give words. I'll tell you everything you need, Gerthen. I'll tell you about these three and how they came in here and strung Evanenzer high into the sky. And Gerthen takes a moment to survey the land. What would you like to tell her? If you're a good reporter, you'll have multiple sources. Sheriff, is there anything I can help you with before we go? It would be wise to respect the ownership of the scrapyard. After today, I couldn't agree more. Especially in words of ink. He gives a nod like he knows what's up, but he doesn't. And Gerthen's prodding more so. Your statement, your statement before the sheriff corrals us out of here. Erd is obviously not good with his words, and he's looking back to Graf and Garum, kind of like, hey, cover, cover me guys here. You don't want me doing this. And I also just look right to Graf because he is always the sweet talker. Here's your headline, sweetheart. Zodor and his cronies grab for power, leave Evananzer dead, hanging from Bell. Chaos ensues. Let's make sure 
that salvage doesn't come under their control. And the rabble is going to be the ones to make sure that doesn't happen. Tomorrow. Well, it's going to be tough to report about Aurelian's scrapyard, you know. Her, her new hires, the gentry, have nothing but positive things to say about her. And of course, the gentry. Ugh. All right, enough with your words around these parts. Can we please leave the scrapyard immediately? I thought you'd never say that. Fred quickly takes advantage of the opportunity and runs off. Absolutely, Sheriff. Pleasure to make your acquaintance. Thank you so much, Girthin. Take care. Make sure you get multiple sources. Don't believe Fred. And I'm out. Here follows seat right behind him. And as you leave through the scrapyard entrance, just the grim image of Evananzar still hanging 30 feet in the air, banging the salvage bell in an awkward sort of tone, seems to set the pace ahead of you. Erd feels kind of bummed out. He liked this Ebenezer guy and his no-nonsense crap and their little interaction they had together, and he's kind of sad to see him have this fate and thinks to himself, I will get whoever did it to this guy. Ugh. Yeah, Graf under his breath is just sort of like, sorry, pops, we tried. I just want to get away from the sheriff before she fucking destroys us because <laughs> we all have, like, one hit point. <laughs> and it's a miracle because if she wanted to, she probably could have wiped us out. <laughs> So maybe we're heading back to the gray beyond. I would like a quick rest. He says, coughing up a little blood and wiping it from the side of his mouth. And Erd kind of touching his shoulder where he got shot and wiping up a little bit of the blood and putting a little bit of pressure on the wound. Uh, I could agree with that. And maybe a <coughs> stiff drink as well. Uh, well, that's a given. We can start talking amongst ourselves, right? Like, what do we know about the Emerald Claw? What do we think that sheriff's all about? How does Rulian fit into this? How does Callie fit into all this? Like, the Grey Dogs, the Gentry, this is getting complicated. This is out of hand. We also really need to start bringing more supplies with us. I'm as bad as all of us, but we really need to make sure we get a couple of healing potions here and there. We did not get paid from Evan Anzer, and we got our asses kicked in both of those encounters. So we might not even have enough money to buy anything decent to help us, but we can at least try. Did I miss anything? Is there anything else we need to worry about? Zodor. Oh, Zodor and his gang also are apparently still a bigger threat than we realized. The gentry partnering with Arulian, who Arulian seems to be like kind of a thug around there, at least to like who our current ally is. Right, because Arulian sent those people to kill us. Yeah, and we've been partnering lately with uh, Belalor and Garunda, who seem to be kind of more allied with us, you know and working with us and have us in their interests, yet the gentry is partnering against us, so it's kind of little back and forth. I still need to know how Kali fits into all this before any of that makes sense. And, you know, at this point, Erd's thinking, there's no friends around here besides maybe Billalor and Garunda, and we can kind of sort of trust them, maybe, but just the thought of having Kali around, maybe she knows more about this. Maybe she's been here longer than us. Maybe she can inform us what's going on and what's actually happening here. Or maybe she's deep into the corruption as well, and she's just as part of this as anybody else. So it's hard to trust anybody at this point. And to see someone like Evan Ezer, who is kind of, I don't know, seemed like a normal no BS guy uh, get killed like that, it's kind of weird, but then... I don't know, who was he working for? What were his motives as well? He wouldn't tell us, no questions asked. Was this a setup job too? Maybe we were set up to be put out like this by Fred and his crew. We already messed with Zodor and kind of created an enemy there, so maybe they set us up, I don't know. They knew we were gonna come here. 
I mean, it could just be that he's just a total mercenary, but we know either way he's a jerk because he was threatening working girls for no reason. Yeah. So then who's pulling the strings here? You know, somebody might have set us up and wanted to get rid of us. Maybe we're a threat to somebody. And Graf still completely does not trust Kali. It's a little too convenient. Yeah. He wants to. It would be nice. He's not writing her off, but a lot of things had to line up for all of us to be here like this in this way with her running something that we can't get a straight answer on from anybody, which is weird in itself. Or maybe not. Maybe she's surprised we're here, just as surprised as we are that she is here. And upon hearing that we are here, the rabble, she knows how much of a threat we are, how powerful we are because of the ally alliance that we've had together, what we can do and what we potentially know about her. Maybe this was her opportunity to take us out before things got too sticky for her. Or maybe she's not involved and she still actually is going to be just as surprised to see us as we were to hear about her. And that's going to mean that she wants to reconnect, talk about everything that's happened, tell us all of the ins and outs and join back up with us, just like the original plan was. And that would be great, Garam. I would love that. And I want to believe that. But you got to think, everyone else in Salvation seems to know everyone else's business. So I don't think it would be too much of a surprise but now, weeks later, Callie's, oh, 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 you guys are here. Like, Callie fucking knows. That's my theory. Maybe I'm wrong. She still hasn't, I mean, the gray dogs still have not come back from their mission. How would she know that we're here? And, and on top of that, Arulian was trying to get the gray dogs to work with her. She said the gray dogs will be with me, but Bellalore want to keep them around, so... And Reeson said that the gray dogs still haven't come back from their latest expedition, the last we talked to him. He also said some people keep a low profile and don't... They're not like us, coming back and forth, so me, I don't know. We're just theorizing, maybe they're keeping it low. Was Kali on that mission, or did she send that mission? She's in charge of the gray dogs. Did she go with the gray dogs, or did she tell them where to go? Garunda said that Callie always brings back the best stuff, that she's got the, the nose for it. So, I mean, you would think maybe Callie goes in. I don't know. And Kalazart was our main hub when we were just getting the gang together. Oh, interesting. I'm assuming Callie is in charge the way that people would assume that you're in charge, Graf. Would they? What? And he looks around and kind of fluffs his hair. <laughs> Interesting. So I've been assuming this whole time. Assume you're in charge. That Kali was here, but maybe avoiding us. When I said, like, the boss is one of two or three people, like, way back, I was like, it's either whatever her name was with the purple scarf, Arulian, or it was Kali. Guess we found out it was Arulian. Allegedly. But Graf still doesn't fully trust Kali. How could, how could we scatter to the ends of the world for a while until Sire is wiped from the map? See what's up. Like, it, it just, it's a little convenient. I don't know. But Graf's also a half demon who grew up in a garbage dump, so he doesn't really trust a lot of people. We can't trust anyone. Then we also still have to think about the Emerald Claw, what they're doing, what they're planning, and... Also, this Curla person that Amelie was talking about. That sounds like something we should ask Reason about. 
And like, so could we draw the connection too with the Molly and like how it's like House Caneth, the one that reanimates the dead and has the dead soldiers? Which one? The nation of Karnath to the north, east, beyond Sire. Karnath, Karnath, that's what I meant, yeah. Is notorious for using undead during the last war. And it could be attributed to various factions, be it the Blood of Vol as a religion, Emerald Claw as soldiers, as mercenaries, to your neighborhood necromancer. So the fact that the Emerald Claw is, is here then is actually kind of a big deal. And we know that there's a spy in Salvation that let them in, uh, if we are to trust Amali. Right. I do actually weirdly trust Amali more than anybody else because he's just like in his own little weird world. Why would he lie? Right, yeah. <laughs> he just wants his corpse sculptures, yeah. So what else did Amali tell us? He told us the Emerald Claw was here. So we know there's a spy. There is someone that is working with or for the Emerald Claw that let them into salvation in order to work with necromancy type stuff, but also work on taking parts of the scrapyard and infusing that into people, dead people. And uh, Molly said that they were sending him out into the gray to try to retrieve. True, they've sent armies of undead or at least people of undead. But he were trying to retrieve that person. What was the name again? Curla. 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 They're trying to Curla, Curla, trying to retrieve Curla. And they, he said he sent the undead uh, soldiers out there, but they haven't come back. They're unsuccessful. I feel like he said it in a weird way. I felt like he said he sent them in or they sent the undead into the gray for Curla, which I took to mean for Curla, like because of her orders. Right. Mm. I didn't mean to retrieve Curla. Interesting. It depends on how we interpret that. Mm. So let's, before we blame anyone for being the spy, there's already a list of people I don't trust. Brackle? Yeah, it's He's Brackle. It's there. all Brackle. Yeah, we got to check in. Here's what I want to do. I want to check in on Brackle, Bella, Lure, and Gorinda, Reeson, see what he knows, and get supplies and stuff. So that's what I want to do in town. But to continue this conversation, what would the motive be for someone? And we probably need to talk to Reeson to figure this out, maybe. But what would the motive be? for letting these people in, letting the Emerald Claw in, letting all this weird undead stuff happen in the Mornland. Like, if who's Curla? What's she doing out there? Like, is Kali out there? Are the Grey Dogs out there? Do they need our help? Are they working for the wrong side? What's going on? Maybe there's a discovery out there and there's some sort of big ticket item people are looking for and maybe they're trying to rise up some of those undead soldiers, take out salvation and get whatever's out there for themselves. Yeah, maybe. I mean, do you really want salvation? Look at it. And he kind of. But look, it's not salvation. It's what's in the gray. They had a pile of bodies in there. Remember when we were in the tunnel, there is three piles of bodies with a guy who's reanimating them. So he was going to try to reanimate possibly all those bodies. When we went in there, they lit the bodies on fire to like destroy the evidence and get the fuck out of there. So, like, they were going to potentially reanimate all those things. There was a tunnel going in to Salvation. Like, maybe they're planning some sort of attack to take over Salvation or to do something. I mean, there was that. The pieces were there. I wonder, since this scrapyard is Aurelian's, maybe she is the spy or the partner with the Emerald Claw, allowing people to use the tunnel for this necromantic purpose. It could be. Or she's just a 
bitch who like runs the town with an iron fist. But like, remember the the last guard who was about to, or sorry, the last uh, Emerald Claw guy who was climbing up the ladder to Amali said like, you know, he was going to kill him or like, you know, make your decision whether you live or die, like trying, you know, destroy the evidence, get rid of everything. So they knew they were caught maybe. I don't know. It's tough. And they were scrapping in Arulian's area. I mean, like, if Arulian's such like the powerful person, you think she'd be on top of this and it's kind of a bit weird for us when we uncover the secret that uh you know our friend there is dead and that we're kind of being framed potentially here for killing this guy and to be cast as a bad guy so nobody's gonna believe us yeah and if evan answer was supposedly working for a rulian which i don't i'm not sure i believe it's a little weird that they'd hang him just to frame us I think Ebenezer was just another pawn in this game, you know? Uh, he, he was giving us five gold each to go down there, no questions asked. He didn't want any questions asked. It was ten. Ten gold each? I mean, let's do it. Let's go. <sighs> I, I'm at a loss. So as we're talking about all this, you see that Garam's head just kind of like, his attention is drawn elsewhere, and he's just kind of staring off into space. And he's thinking about... Why are we here? If if all this shit is hitting the fan, what is the thing that's keeping us from just leaving and going back to the life before salvation? And at this point, the only thing is our friendship or alliance or partnership or whatever you want to call it. And it's also Kali. We need to talk with her for better or worse to figure out what is happening. But at the end of the day, there's nothing really tying us here. Here's how I remember it. We made friends with Kali. We had some good times. Then one day, with no explanation or context, she's like, you're gonna go there, you're gonna go there, you're gonna go there, we're all gonna get the fuck out of Sire, and it's gonna be great. And for some reason, that has haunted me since that day. We didn't ask enough questions. We didn't get any real answers. We just did it. And now we're back. Maybe she's here. Maybe she's in the gray. We're back after the place we were supposed to meet has been wiped from the planet. It's not what the plan had been. We're also back four years late. It's a little weird. Graf just can't Maybe it's instinct, whatever it is, but like, it may not be Kali's fault, but something is weird. Something is weird. And maybe because Kali was the first true friend to Garam and brought us, the rabble brought us together. Maybe that's why Garam just can't shake the feeling that Kali can do no wrong. Obviously she's on our side and there's, there's, there's nothing greater happening here. Plus that weird book she gave me. And we saw the the text from the book, which disappears, and I hear voices, and it appeared on the monster that was a flesh golem. That's weird in and of itself. Did she even know what she was giving me? Why was it wrapped in smelly incense? Maybe that's why Graf is like not trusting any of this, because every, every shred of evidence that Graf ever knew Kali has become weird and corrupted it was a smelly bag full of weird something 
that brought us this sketchy book that may or may not have like tweaked my brain and interfered with my warlock powers. I write in the book, it disappears and then manifests later on a flesh golem. That is some weird shit. Of course Graf doesn't trust this person. Get out of Sire for a couple years. You'll know when to come back. Now Sire is gone. Why would Graf trust this person? And after all of these uh, reflections, Erd, just thinking about all these people who can't trust, all these threads around, looks at Graf and Garam and just kind of sees them still walking next to him and realizes maybe these are still the only two guys he can trust. At this point, Garam takes the gift from Callie, the bronzewood ring with the elvish word for hope. He takes that off his necklace and puts it on for nothing else, just to have some comfort. And there, salvation sits ahead of you, slanted, crooked, and bathing in the setting sun, leaning against the craggy, rust-colored hoodoo pillars, awash in a golden hue. The outpost clutches to each red sandstone with its grasping metal claws, as if the last vestiges of Sire were holding on to dear life. Your memory of the country and recognition of each piece of scrap keeps its spirit alive in some way, despite the chill of the Xeranthir winter winds blowing through the place. You'd almost think the scene was warm. The fog bank of the moorland churns in the distance. Its dark gray mists writhe with grimacing faces and screaming facades, collapsing in on each other, radiating a dark emerald blue glow, just like the obscured, uncertain future ahead. Well, I say we get a drink. Seems we agree. Mm. What time of day is it? I think late afternoon. Yeah, late afternoon. The salvage market's still open? It is. It depends on what you guys want to do. Let's just quickly make a to-do list. You wanted to go see Brackle, Bellador, Reeson, and get supplies. I'm assuming we do not want to try and find Aurelian or Zodor or... Not at this point, no. They'll probably find us. <laughs> and also that weird nun who we didn't like... Why would we talk to Mother Johanna? She's our link to the gentry who are mixed up in all this now. Well, like, I don't know if she's our link. She kind of like disowned us and kicked us out. But here's the thing. What do we have to lose? Do you think Graf would go to the Holy Woman? Graf would love to go to the Holy Woman. <laughs> <laughs> the other thought that I'm having is I wonder, I mean, like, we've been pretty friendly with... Uh, Becca the blacksmith I wonder if we would be able to talk to her about any of this stuff yeah that's a good idea actually she can at least, she'll probably at least be honest with you I'm, I don't know about you guys but I'm thinking we go to Garunda and uh, Bellalor I mean they're the closest thing we have to any sort of ally here I mean Reeson doesn't give a crap he's pretty neutral he'll give us some stuff but I think their needle is the highest up for us and maybe can kind of fill us in a little bit on what's going on. I agree. And plus we can see what that dog is up to, Errol. Get more protection. <laughs> totally agree. But two things. We can do a short rest at the bar and talk to Reason while we're there. On the off chance Errol remembers us, we don't want to have one HP each. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Erd remembers that and what he did to him and is very easily swayed. Right. <laughs> Remember, nobody knows but us. And hopefully he's got a new brain 
but just in case. Well, those things don't have hard drives, right? Uh, <laughs> Eberron's pretty magical. This is season one of Eberron Chronicles, Oracle of War, DM'd by Alex LaFerrier, played by Andrew Gallagher, Ian Selig, and John Selig, and is an Orange Eyes creative work. This is one chapter of Episode 1, The Nightland, by Sean Merwin, written as a D&D Adventurers League campaign. Influence this game and story at eberronchronicles.com. Tune in next week when our adventurers encounter... You notice that the various places you go to for supplies turn an eye towards you. No, I wouldn't believe it. We didn't do it. We are trying to find out who did. We think it was Aurelian. We have a job ahead of us, and we don't care what it'll cost. Gold is no object. We've bought it. Looking over to the gentry. We can trust these three. We can trust them. I kneel down next to her, and I put my hand on her shoulder. I don't know if the three of you can do it alone. That's why I think we need a little bit of help. What's in the box? Not sorry to you. Sorry to her. Subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. Email the show directly at speakingstone at eberronchronicles.com. We really do read every email from the fans. You are our dragon shards and keep this show powered.